We're talking about weight obsession. I've got guest, uh, recovered life contributor, Jessica Duenas on the line. How you doing, Jessica? I'm great. How are you? I am doing so good. Good to see you. Uh, look, weight obsession. A lot of people get sober, Jessica, and they start upset. They shift one obsession from alcohol and drugs to weight. So thrilled to have you on to talk about this. I know that you are a recovery coach. You've dealt with this in your own personal life. So I wanted to dive into this whole idea of weight obsession. What's this all about, Jessica? Yeah, I mean, I'll speak to it first from a personal perspective. So before alcohol was a problem for me, food was a problem for me, right? And it came from, I noticed a lot of my behaviors as a child, um, coping by sneaking food, um, you know, my parents trying to tell me and put me on a diet from like a really young age. Cause you know, I feel like we're socialized to like always have to fit a certain body type, a certain weight, et cetera. And so from early on, I was being pressured to diet. And so I immediately attached shame to eating how I wanted to eat and eating what felt good for me. I immediately learned that that was quote unquote bad. So very quickly, um, I learned to sneak food, hide it, put it away, make sure to not eat in front of other people how um, I really wanted to eat, which later transferred to my addiction to alcohol. And the, those behaviors showed up exactly the same way with how I was consuming alcohol. So fast forward to actually getting sober, right? And one of the biggest things that I started to do once I quit drinking um, over two and a half years ago was really get into exercise and diet as well. And what I started to notice about my behaviors after I quit drinking was that um, I was tracking everything, but with tracking, I was judging everything, right? So like almost every day on the scale, every single month tracking my measurements on a spreadsheet. And um, I, I had happened to switch therapists earlier this year. And she was like, why are you tracking everything? And when she asked me why, I didn't have an answer that made sense and was true to me, right? Like the why to that was because I felt like I had to weigh a certain amount. Um, the why was when I realized that I wasn't weighing a certain amount, I was fixating on my measurements because I was like, well, you know, I exercise a lot. So my muscle weighs more than fat and da 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 da. And I was just really spinning myself around in a big circle. But at the end of the day, what was it, it was coming down to, I was judging myself harshly for not fitting what the BMI scale would say, right? Like I was judging myself yeah. harshly for those things. And I realized that I had completely transferred my obsession with alcohol to my obsession with my weight and my measurements. And I was still judging myself and shaming myself way too much over it because I had just absorbed everything that society told me was beautiful versus realizing that I am beautiful regardless of what weight I am. So exactly started, you know, you know, this is interesting, Jessica, because when you were talking about your journey with weight, right. And your, your self identity tied in there, you're talking about a lot of these feelings. And what I immediately recognized was the exact same feelings that I had regarding alcohol, right? Like, and I think a lot of the people get confused. I know when people get sober, they get confused. They think, well, is it the amount? Did I drink, you know, did I drink just too much on this day? And they don't really dive into what happens actually when they're drinking, right? The feelings that are associated. And what you're bringing up here is it wasn't necessarily what you were eating 
or how you're, it's the whole feelings that are attached to all of that. Can you unpack that a little bit? Because I think people are going to resonate with that, that they might have shifted one addiction and they've maybe escaped those feelings regarding alcohol and drugs, but now they're finding them again in food. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like the thing with feelings, right? Our feelings are a result of our thoughts and our beliefs. So regardless of what I'm putting into my body, if my mind is already judging me for it, if I already have a belief that what I am doing is wrong for whatever reason, then I'm already going to feel shame about it. So when it's alcohol, right, and we're finding ourselves in a state of addiction of alcoholism, and we know that every drink that we take is hurting us, we're feeling shame and guilt over it because we know that we're hurting ourselves. When it has to do with food and you're obsessing over your weight, you have this belief that everything that you're putting into your body, basically no matter what, is either against your goal or for your goal. And so there's so much charged judgment there that, again, whatever you're choosing can feel really hurtful and, again, just fuel these feelings of shame. How did you start to unpack that? I know you, you were talking about you went to this therapist, you're having these conversations you know, this tracking thing, and this is this is this whole thing with society, Jessica, you know, society basically, and I think it's getting better. It's like you have to be this exact same body type. Everybody has to fit into the same banana Republican J. Crew size pet, right? It's so unrealistic. Like when you really think about it, it's insanity, isn't it? I mean, like no one could meet all of those expectations. Yeah. And I mean, exactly. And I think like one of the biggest things for me to unpack that is really diving into some of the origin stories of like where my beliefs came from. Um, you know, again, for me, I've always struggled with my weight since I was a kid. And, you know, for me, the BMI was always like shoved down my throat as like, this is a measure of how unhealthy you are because your BMI is always a high number. And then when I like, my therapist challenged me to research the BMI and I came to find that, you know, BMI, the people who were used to study BMI, I may, this has to be fact-checked, but I want to say, I believe it's like predominantly white men and maybe European men, right? And me not being a European man, right? Like the way that my body is, is not built like that. And it's not to say that just because I carry extra weight that I'm automatically unhealthy because last I went to the doctor and I had a physical, all my biological markers were great and my blood pressure was great. So why am I suddenly trying to force my body into a different shape and size if what my body's doing right now is good and works? Yeah, and you're talking about that healthy, unhealthy balance. And I love that you're talking about BMI because I do think that genetics have a lot to play with this, right? Like, so what, what might be right for me isn't necessarily right for you. And there's finding that balance. How did you start to unwind this? Because I think this is what people are going to talk about. I know, I don't know that many people, Jessica, that are in recovery, especially long-term recovery, right? That don't battle with some sort of food addiction. It might be just sugar, you know, having binges on sugar right at first, which isn't necessarily a bad idea when you first come in because it does definitely help the cravings. But as you move, you know, you're six months, you're a year into it, you start to identify these feelings that you're having. How did you start to unpack this and get to a place where it was healthy and right for you and something not only healthy and right, but something you felt good about and empowered about? Yeah, so I mean, I definitely 
hired a professional to help me navigate this journey. So I hired a certified dietitian who focuses on intuitive eating practices. Um, because again, as a person in recovery for many years, I learned to distrust my intuition because I always drank. So I was like, well, I don't know what's best for me because my best for me got me addicted to alcohol and drinking at the, the day. But the idea is that like ancient humans weren't like out here measuring everything and then they were still functioning. And so this idea that like at some point internally, like my body, I know what's right for me. I know what's right for me in every other aspect of my life. So why can't I figure that out in terms of what I consume as an eater? Right. And so essentially working with this professional, um, I've kind of come up with some mindset work. So like, again, when I have a charged belief pop up, like this makes me look fat or, oh, that's a bad food. This is a good food. Like going back and asking myself, why do I think that's bad? Why do I think that's good? Like, where is this origin coming from? And deciding for myself if it resonates with me or if it doesn't. Um, and doing that and navigating that like dance with a professional, um, a medical professional has really helped me personally. Yeah. You know, I think, um, it's interesting. You you said something about kind of that second guessing. And it's interesting. One of the things with alcohol recovery and drug recovery is, is it does instill in you, especially 12 steps is to second guess yourself. And that's a, a amazing thing, right? Because like they always say our best thinking, right? Our best thinking got us there. So obviously this is all a thinking game, right? You, it's all a mindset game. But what I found is as you go through your sober journey in recovery, that works against you because there is some intuitive things. Like I ate that. I don't, I, you know, I don't feel well after I ate that. Like for me, I'll, I'll just tell you, Jessica, it's like, I realized it took me three decades to really realize it's like, man, I have a major sugar issue. Like I'm not good with sugar. It doesn't make me feel good. I don't right? Like it's just this unpacking process and talk about the mindset of this because I love your mindset because the first thing when we were going to do the segment, Jessica, I said, what, why would she even want to talk about? Like, you're beautiful. Like you have everything going on. Like we're obviously the outside world. Isn't necessarily thinking what you're thinking internally. How did you start to really change that mindset? Because you have a beautiful mindset about yourself and about the whole process. Yeah. I mean, a big part of it is identifying like, okay, what are the beliefs that I have? And what do I want to believe? And then basically like practicing it almost like positive affirmations, except I feel like sometimes positive affirmations are hard for me because they feel too positive. So I like to do baby steps. So if maybe I'm having a bad day and, you know, my, the thought that I'd love to like really feel like is I'm totally beautiful. Maybe that day is a hard day and I'm not feeling like that. And I know for a lot of, especially sober women, that can be a true feeling as well. So being like, at least I'm willing to believe that I am beautiful, that helps because that's way better than talking down to yourself like I'm fat or I need to lose weight, right? Like if we can at least stop using that kind of language and shift it to something of I'm willing to believe that I'm enough, I'm willing to believe that I don't need to change myself, that is enough to help at least move the needle a little bit towards um, some more self-compassion and self-love. Because again, weight obsession can really lead to people not practicing that self-compassion. And that's so huge in recovery. In recovery, we have to have that self-compassion and self-love, you know, to encourage ourselves to keep growing. Yeah. I, you know what? I love your holistic approach to this because I think, you know, a lot of, 
a lot of addiction recovery, Jessica, as you know, because you know, you're a coach and you, you do this and that's why you're successful at it is because you're looking at the whole picture. And I think much of, of addiction recovery, especially the first part's very black and white. You're drinking and using drugs. You're not drinking and using. It's very black and white, right? And I and I get that because obviously, if you're an alcoholic, you can't just have a drink. Like that, that is why you're in that position. You just can't have one drink. But most of recovery, I find, the day to day of recovery beyond that black and white issue, is very shades of gray. It it you know it's a very nuanced like what works well for me. Like I gave some stupid advice to a friend the other day, and he's like oh, that would just ruin my life. And I realized it was like, well, that works well for me, but it doesn't necessarily work well for everyone. What have you learned about yourself in this process? Because I think that's the most interesting thing when I talk to people who also coach because they're learning just as much as they're teaching. What's the big thing that you've learned from this whole journey that you've had with your with the way that you think about your weight? I think kind of exactly like what you just said, that what is right for me is right for me and it's up to everyone to really do the work to examine what works for them. Because for example, I love how you mentioned that you realize now after three decades that sugar is not in the cards for you, right? I mean, somebody else can just be like, I'm gonna cut out sugar because someone told me I need to cut out sugar and I'm just gonna cut out sugar and then have these cravings and then you know have sugar and feel guilty about it. Or someone can come to the decision that sugar is not for them because they tried it and they didn't like the results that they got. So they decided to cut it out. And I feel like that's way more intuitive. And then you can make a decision that you feel good about. So I think that really, again, it's, we have to play around uh, and feel out what gives us results that we enjoy. And then if that doesn't work, then look for other options. And so for me, obsessing over my weight was giving me results that I didn't like. Um, I felt like obsessing over my weight kept me constantly thinking about the future, the future, the future versus appreciating myself today, right? Like how many of us see jokes like online where it'll be like, man, I remember like in high school, I used to feel like I was fat in high school. Now if only I could go back to then. Um, I don't want to feel that way about my body today in 10 yeah. years. I don't want to sit there. On, I'm 38. I don't want to, when I'm 48, sit there and be like, man, I wish I had appreciated how I looked when I was 38. No, like I want to appreciate that now. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's so positive. And I love that you've kind of set that goal and you've identified this and you're working on it. It's very, very inspiring. I mean, I know, Jessica, you know, to wrap this up, there's a lot of people out there that are saying, man, I'm identifying with what Jessica said. Like, this is this is something maybe I have to work on, right? What are the big takeaways here? What do you do? What do you, if you do if you find yourself in this position? Because I find a lot of the things we're talking about these shades of gray right? In recovery. Sometimes you just feel immobilized, man. Like you, you know, you need to make a change, but you don't, you've made so many changes in recovery. If you're in recovery and listening to this, you've made so many changes already. And a lot of times you just feel immobilized. It's like, how do I even do this? What are, what are the steps? What do you do if you find that you're in this position? Yeah. I mean, you know, I remember my very first step um, to stop obsessing over my weight was I have an Apple watch and I would track everything and I stopped wearing it. Uh, that was like my first, just that's it. I'm not going to obsess over the numbers. So little by little, I've just like released certain things that I would fixate over the same way I'd fixate over getting a drink. 
um, I've like just cut them out. So it didn't really require action. It's just kind of almost allowing myself to move into inaction and in certain things. So when I go to the gym now and I exercise, I'm not counting how long I worked out for. I'm not doing any of that. I work out until I feel good and then I stop. Um, so I would encourage someone who doesn't know where to start, pick one small thing and do it. Love that. Love that. Pick that one thing that you actually can execute. Now, and really in closing here too, food is not black and white, right? Like, dr like drugs and alcohol are very black and white with me. Like I cannot take drugs. I cannot drink alcohol. It's not a black or white thing. Like you can still do certain things right in your life. It's not a total take it or leave it. Right, Jessica. I mean, you have to find that right balance. Exactly. Exactly. And if it's getting to the point where it's overwhelming you, um, like I found that it was overwhelming me. And this is me two and a half years sober. And I was finding, again, lots of judgment and harshness towards myself. Find somebody to talk to. Like I said, I found a medical professional who is helping me navigate my journey with food um, so that I can feel, you know, feel myself again. So that's what I definitely encourage someone to do. Thanks so much for coming on today. We're going to put links about how you can connect with Jessica if you want to discuss your journey with her. Jessica Duenas, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks, Damon. Appreciate it. Sometimes addiction recovery can be a lonely battle, but you don't have to fight it alone. At Recovered Life, we're dedicated to helping you live your best recovered life. And that's why we're inviting you to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. Every week, we carefully curate exclusive content from leading minds in addiction recovery, mental health, and all things important to the recovery lifestyle. Stay in the know with the latest news about addiction and get exclusive invitations to specially recovery-focused events and explore insights tailored to support recovery from alcoholism, drug addiction, codependency, disordered eating, dysfunctional family dynamics, gambling, and so much more. With our newsletter, each week becomes an opportunity for growth, healing, and taking a step closer to the life you deserve. Take your first step towards a brighter future today. Go to recoveredlife.us and subscribe for free. Sign up now at recoveredlife.us.